Well, good morning, Grace Church. It's so great to see you this morning. And if you have not already heard it from one of our awesome dream teamers, I just want to say we're so glad that you're here this morning. And um, this is going to be a wonderful time for us to be together. And we're so glad that you chose to spend some of your weekend here with us. Uh, we think it's awesome. We love to be together. And we're glad that, that you joined with us this morning. And we've been in this amazing series the past few weeks called Sons and Daughters. And what we've learned from that series is that there is no identity and no status greater than being a son or a daughter of the king. Do you agree with me? Yeah. And so honestly, we have heard stories that this has impacted people's life so greatly. And so if that's you this morning, if this series has made an impact in, on your life in some way, can we just hear it from you this morning? Yeah. It's been so powerful, and um, we're just so excited that you chose to be here today. And honestly, I just want to take a moment to honor our lead pastor this morning, Pastor Aaron. Uh, we are, Pastor Aaron, we just want to tell you, I represent Grace Church, that we are so honored and privileged to have you as our lead pastor, and thank you for leading us through this incredible series and being so authentic and vulnerable about what God has done in your life and using that to allow God to change our lives as well. And I can say that we will never be the same because of that. So thank you to our lead pastor for that. Because when your life is impacted by something, when God has done something in you, it's not just for you. It's for other people. God doesn't bring you through something just for you, and, and he doesn't want you to keep it a secret. It's for other people to know about. You know, we do this all the time in our lives in, in other areas, right? If, if we go out and we eat at a restaurant that's really, really good, and we have delicious food, and the service is just amazing, what do we do? We go around and tell everybody about it. We share about it online. We make sure everybody knows, hey, go here, go to this restaurant. It was awesome. It was amazing. And sometimes we even go as far as saying, well, we ate. We ate this in particular, and this is why we liked it. And then we had this, and then make sure you have this for dessert. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I've done that many times, and maybe it's not a restaurant, but maybe there's a particular product that you absolutely love and that you've begun using, and it's impacted your life. What, what are you doing? You're, you're telling about it. You're sharing about it. And some of us even start selling the product, right, because we think it's amazing. Well, how much more should we be sharing about what God has done in our life? How much more should we be sharing how our life's been impacted by God and the things that he has done in us? I, it it should, should be no question, right? We should be sharing. When we've had an incredible counter with God, we need to share about it. We need to tell other people. It shouldn't be a secret, it shouldn't be the best kept secret. It should be, we should share it with everyone we know. 
And today we want to help you to remember to share with others what God is doing in your life. So we have a couple of things for you today. One of those is we have one of these bracelets for you as you leave the auditorium today. It just says, Wear Love Out on it and Grace Church Melbourne. And this is a reminder, you can wear this on your wrist as a reminder that you need to be telling other people about what God's done in your life. Wear Love Out is actually one of our core values here at Grace Church, and we say that all the time. We say, wear love out. We want to go in our community and wear love out, meaning we want to share Christ with everyone around us. And so you might just need a reminder to do that. So grab one of those on your way out today. And we also have, we call these our Random Acts of Kindness cards. We have these available every Sunday as you leave the auditorium and on the table and at and at our Connection Center, but this is simply for you to share an act of kindness to someone in the community, and then you just give them this card. So random acts of kindness, and, and take this as a reminder to be sharing what God has done in your life, because you, the encounter you've had with God is not just for you. It's for other people. There was a man in scripture who experienced this exact thing, and his, his name is Isaiah. Isaiah had an incredible encounter with God. It was so amazing and powerful. He actually has this vision, this just elaborate and amazing vision of God's temple and of God's glory and how the glory of God just fills this temple and all these visuals about what it, what it looks like. It was just an incredible encounter. And so when I think about this, when I think about encountering God and, and sharing it with others, I, I think of Isaiah. I want to share with you just a little bit from this story, um, Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 6. And at this point, he has, he's sharing with us what he's seeing. And so at the very beginning of this verse, it says, Then one of the seraphim, and that is a really big angelic creature that he had seen, and he describes earlier in the passage. So if you want to hear a description of that Read a little before that, but we're picking it up in verse 6. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and tell this people. And so here you have Isaiah in the middle of this awesome encounter with God. And God just gives him these beautiful pictures of his glory and what's actually happening and actually shows him how his sins have been forgiven, how he has been made new. And then in the middle of this whole thing, God stops and says, now who's going to go? Who's going to tell this to other people? Who's going to make sure that everyone knows about it? And Isaiah immediately says, send me. I'll go. I'll do it. He has had an encounter with God, and he immediately knows that he is to go and tell other people. He immediately knows that is his responsibility. And so the first thing that we need to do to be a part of this, to be a part of sharing with the lost sons and daughters, is to take the personal responsibility. And that's our point number one today. We need to accept the personal responsibility. 
Because once you are a part of the family, you have a responsibility to the family. And we are a part of God's family. We are in God's family. And his family actually isn't done growing yet. And there are lost sons and daughters out there that need to come home to find their father, to find their identity as true sons and daughters of God. And this is our responsibility, being a part of this family. This is actually a mandate that Jesus gave multiple times while he was on the earth. And he gives this mandate two different times, once at the very beginning of his time on earth, the very beginning of his ministry, he gives this mandate. And then he also gives it again at the very end of his time on the earth. That's how much this is for us. He, he gave this mandate two times. And the first of those is in the book of Mark, chapter one, verse 17. And it says, Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So this is at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, and he's encountering his disciples, and he's meeting them, and he's saying, all right, do you want to, do you not want to know what the deal is? We're going to go find some people. We are going to go find some people that need some good news. And so leave all this, and let's go find those people, and let's bring them in. That's at the very beginning of his ministry. And then at the very end of his ministry, he's speaking with his disciples one last time, right before he ascends into heaven. And we see this in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And it says, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And again, he reminds them, listen, Everyone needs to know this. There's more. Our family is growing. Go and find them and bring them in. Because the thing is, since the day sin entered the world, the enemy has been trying to keep us separated from our father. From the very time sin entered the world, the devil has, has schemed and had found ways to keep us separated from the Father, even those of us that are Christ followers. He still finds ways to keep us separated from the Father. But the amazing thing is also since that day, our Father has been implementing His plan to bring all of His lost sons and daughters home all of them. I don't know about you, but I, I understand that as a parent, right? If, if you're a parent and you have children and, and they leave and they go out from your home, the best moment of your day is when they are back home under your roof. You know where they are. They're safe. They're home, right? I get that as a parent. I have three sons. Two of them are teenagers, and so they're gone a lot. But I, the best part of my day is when they're all three home in my house, tucked in their beds. I'm like, oh, yes, this is the best feeling. They're all here. They're home, right? And so we get that as parents. I know uh, my parents felt the same way about me when, when I was their child and growing up in their home. And when I was a teenager, I remember when I started driving, um, which, you know, every parent of a teenager who drives, you know, I think you would all agree that we need therapy for that. There should be special therapy for parents of teenage drivers, 
right? I mean, for real. Uh, but I was a teenage driver once, and my parents, you know, they, they were incredibly brave, and they said, here's a car, now go. You know, we're not driving you to any of your activities anymore. It's all on you. Now just go. And uh, part of that was probably because I was a second child, so uh, they were ready for that. But um, I was 16, right? And I start driving, and they're like, you have to take yourself to all your activities. Well, I lived in Minnesota at the time, and I lived 45 minutes southeast of the Twin Cities, St. Paul and Minneapolis, and I had a number of activities that were in the Twin Cities that I had to travel to multiple times during the week, and so as soon as I got my license, they're like, go, you have to, you know, take yourself to them, and they would give me directions and, you know, all this stuff, and then they would say, oh, and then after you're done to get home, just do the opposite to come home. Well, I admit that I am directionally challenged, um, maybe a little more than others. If you give me directions and you tell me to go east, I'm going to stop and look at you and say, is that a left or a right? <laughs> I, need, I need it that way, okay? I need my directions in left or right, okay? So that's me. Uh, I'm directionally challenged. And so they give me this, these directions to get there, and then they say, just do the opposite to come home. Oh, and by the way, if you ever get lost coming home, just remember these two things. Either go south or east, and you will make your way towards home. And I'm like, okay, I got it, right? And I go and drive up in the Twin Cities. And listen, that advice came in so handy multiple times when I took the wrong roads. And I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't say south or east. I'm going the wrong way. So I'd have to turn around, right? And I got to go south or I got to go east. That's how I get home. But my parents, they made sure that I could return home. They made sure that I could get home. They gave me great advice on how to make it back home home. And that's what we do as parents. And, and that's what God does. And when we're in his family, it's our job to make sure that the other sons and daughters can make it back home. You might say this morning, well, I just can't do that. That's just not me. I, I'm, just, I'm just a really private person. I don't talk about my faith that's very private and personal to me, or I'm an introvert, I, I don't talk to people, or maybe, maybe some of you are saying, I just don't know how to do that. Well, that is exactly why we're taking the time to talk about it this morning, because I understand it can be very intimidated. You, you can be very intimidated by doing this and thinking about doing it maybe even scares you. I don't know about you, but in our family, when you are a part of our family, you have a responsibility to our family, which means you're going to love and support each other. You're going to be there for each other. And you're also going to do chores to help the family. There are seven of us in our family, and we all have things that we do to help the family. We do laundry, we do dishes, we do yard work, we cook, we clean. We all pitch in. It doesn't just fall on one or two people in the family. It's the responsibility of all of us. That's, that's how it is in our home. It may be similar for you, and that's also how it is for us in God's family. This isn't 
just the responsibility of a few people. It is all of our responsibility. The second thing that we can do to be a part of bringing lost sons and daughters home is to just share our story. Simply just share our story. What has God done in your life? What has he done that has changed your life? How has it been for you becoming a child of God? You simply just share your story. And again, you might say, well, how, how do I do that? I mean, I'm not supposed to talk about God at work. You know, it's kind of, you just don't do that. And I don't want to be pushy. And I don't want people to think I'm one of those Jesus freak people. And honestly, if I think about it, it just really scares me. One of the best things you can do about that is to pray about it. Simply just pray about it. I do this all the time because honestly, our life can get so consumed with just ourselves and we can just become self-centered pretty easily. And so I have to pray about it all the time. I have to say, God, God, please put others on my heart. Please make it a passion of mine to reach out to other people, to share you as I'm out in the community. God, give me opportunities as I'm out in the community today to just tell somebody you love them, to share who you are. God, give me those opportunities. I pray for those people who are far from God. And so praying about it is one of the best things that we can do. And then, honestly, it happens best through relationship. Those people that you're in relationship with, simply just sharing life with them. And, and honestly, if it hasn't happened yet, it probably will, where they're going to come to you and they're going to say, listen, it's just been a really tough week. I've been dealing with this and this and this is going on and it's just been really hard. And all of a sudden you get to say, I am so sorry that you're going through that. You know, I faced something similar to that. And I know when I was going through that, I wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for God. And here's, here's how God helped me. Simply share your story. That happens wonderfully through relationship. But you, you might be sitting here saying, well, my story doesn't really matter. My story isn't even that great. It's just not that great. I mean, I accepted Christ when I was really young, and I've been following him a really long time. I don't have this crazy, amazing testimony where I was, like, doing all these awful things and, like, just totally turned my life around. And that's okay. Your story matters. Your story matters. And, and you didn't go through it. You went through life just for yourself. You went through it so that God could then use it for somebody else. You didn't go through that for nothing. God wants to use it, and your story matters. And honestly, I, I want to just tell you this morning how to share your story in three minutes. You can share a testimony with somebody in three minutes, and this is how you do it. You share one minute about what your life was like before you met Christ. Simply one minute. Then the next minute you share about how you came to know Christ. 
Because we all have a story about that. Somebody shared with us or we ended up in the right place at the right time, having the exact conversation we needed to have. And so you share about that for one minute. And then after that, you share for one minute about what your life has been like since you chose to follow Christ. And it's just a beautiful picture for this person you're talking to, to see the transformation that God brings and how much he can change our life. That's simply how you can share your story. And so pray, pray for opportunities to share that story. Because honestly, honestly, it's, it's actually good for you just as much as it is for the other person. You know why? Because we can forget. We can forget how much we needed God. We can forget how desperate we were in our life. We can forget how messed up we once were. And it reminds us what God has done in our life, and it just refreshes and renews us and reminds us how thankful we are for what God has done in our life. So not only is sharing your story good for that person, but it's good for you as well. The third thing that we need to do is to give a personal invitation we need to give a personal invitation to this person. We're, we're not just going to show them. We're not just going to tell them about it, but we're going to invite them. We're going to bring them along with us because the deal is this, this family that we're a part of, God's family, it's not exclusive. This, this family we're a part of here, this church family, this is not exclusive. It's actually inclusive. Everything about God's family is inclusive. Everything about our church family here is inclusive. We have empty seats. We have room for more lost sons and daughters. God's family has room for more lost sons and daughters. And so we're going to invite them in. It tells us in Romans 10, verses 14 to 15, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So we have to give an invitation. Yes, an invitation to come to church with you. Absolutely. We want them here. But I'm talking a little bit more than that. I'm talking about an invitation for them to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You might say, well, I just can't do that. I've never led somebody to Christ before. I've never led someone in a prayer for salvation. You need to be ready to invite them in to follow Christ. And that means leading them in a prayer of salvation. So this morning, I actually am going to help you learn how to do this. And there's a very, very simple way that you can remember the steps to lead somebody to Christ and, and the prayer that you need to lead them in. And it's literally the ABCs of salvation. Super simple. The A is for admitting that you are a sinner. And that comes out of Romans 3.10. The B is for believing in Jesus. And that comes from John 3.16 and John 1.12. The C is for confess. 
You have to confess that Jesus is Lord. And that comes from Romans 10, 9, and 10. Simply, this is the layout of how you're going to lead someone in salvation. And when you lead them in a prayer, it does not have to be complicated and difficult and lengthy. You just need to make sure that they're doing the A, the B, and the C. And so this morning, we're actually going to We're actually going to do this together this morning. We're going to learn how to lead someone in a prayer of salvation. And so because we're actually going to do that this morning, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to give anyone here an opportunity in this moment to choose to follow Christ. And so if you are here in this place this morning and you have never prayed this prayer, if you know you are one of those lost sons and daughters and you know that it's time for you to come home, this is your moment. This is your time. And so if we could just close our eyes in this place for just a moment and allow those people, those of you that need to follow Christ today, that you need to say this prayer, go ahead and just raise your hand in this place. If you know today is your day, just raise your hand up high. Thank you so much. We will never, ever pass an opportunity to allow people to come home to Jesus. And so right now, we're going to say this prayer together. And I'm actually, actually, I want all of us to repeat it together. We're all going to repeat it out loud. I want you to practice saying a prayer of salvation as well so you are able to lead someone else. So as we lead these people who are saying yes to Jesus today in this prayer, you repeat it after me as well the whole place together. So Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I have done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. And I am sorry. And I repent today. I ask you to forgive me I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me. And so I ask you today to be Lord of my life. Help me to live for you every day. I love you and I thank you that I will get to spend an eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's how it works. Yeah, give it up. We had some people say yes to Jesus today, and that's how it works. Admit, believe, and confess simply We just have to do that with our mouth, it says in scripture, and we are saved. And so lost children get to come home when we do that, when we take the personal responsibility to invite them in, to give them that opportunity. And you might say, well, what if they say no? What if if I offer it to them? What if I say, hey, why don't you pray this prayer with me? And they tell me no. I'm just gonna be honest with you, you're gonna hear some no's. Somebody's going to tell you no. But guess what? We don't give up. 
We don't stop just because a few people said no. We don't ever give up. We keep inviting. We don't stop inviting because there are still lost sons and daughters. There's a beautiful parable in scripture found in Luke chapter 14. It's actually called the parable of the banquet. And that's why we have this beautiful table set here this morning, just so you can get a visual of this parable, this beautiful parable. And so it says in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 16, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must go inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. And his master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, listen, there's still room for more people. And so his master said, go, go out in the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full, so that the table will be full, so that everyone can enjoy the feast together, so that everybody can be a part of what I have prepared for them. If somebody tells you no, okay, go find other people because there's still people out there that need to come. They need an invitation to the table. He even told them, go look behind the bushes. Guess what kind of people you're going to find behind the bushes? People that need to be at the feast. That's our job. And so some, some people aren't going to accept your invitation. Some people are going to tell you no, but you don't stop because this isn't about us getting our feelings hurt because somebody told us no, because somebody had an excuse for not coming to the feast. We don't stop. It's not about us. It's about bringing the lost sons and daughters home. I don't know about you, but I try to have our family gather at the dinner table as much as I possibly can. I know some of you have busy lives like us. We have three children all involved in different things. And I tell you, as many nights of the week that I can gather my family around this table is my biggest uh, priority because I know what it means for us. And and when, when it's dinner time in our house, we we call out, Right? We say, hey, it's dinner time. Dinner's ready. Everybody come. You might do that in your house too. And so everybody makes their way to the kitchen, right? And we, we sit down and we, we gather to pray. And we notice there's only six of us at the table. We have seven people in our home that gather at the table to eat. There's only six of us. It's obvious to us that someone is missing. We don't move on with our dinner. We know someone is missing. And what do we do? We say, hey, 
Go find them. Go find them. Where are they? Bring them to the table. And this is exactly how God feels about his lost sons and daughters. There's another powerful, powerful parable right in Luke, along with the parable of the banquet, actually in Luke chapter 15, the next chapter, there's three amazing parables that give us a beautiful picture of this. And one of those is the parable of the lost sheep. You may have heard it before, but if you haven't heard it, I'm I'm just going to give you a quick summary of it. There's a shepherd who has a hundred sheep in his care. And he, he looks in the pen and he counts up his sheep and he tallies them up and he only gets to 99. And he says, I have a lost sheep. I, I have to go find them. I have to go get them and bring them back. And so what does he do? He leaves. He leaves the 99. He leaves them all. And he goes out to find the one that's missing. And he does not return until he has that missing sheep. I don't know if some of you as a parent have ever experienced this, those of you that are raising children, if you've ever lost one of your children. It's one of a parent's worst worst moments, right? And I know Pastor Aaron and I experienced it one time. We took our family to the Brevard Zoo one day just to have a fun day, just to hang out as a family and be together. We were enjoying it and... um, so it was about seven years ago. So our children were 10 and eight and almost three years old. So we had a little one. We had a little wagon and he would sit in it for a bit and then he'd get out and walk with us for a bit and get back in. And we were looking at the cheetahs and spending some time there. And then we all looked at each other and said, okay, now let's go up to the giraffes. So we all turn and we head up towards the giraffe exhibit and we're making our way up and finally come up to where the giraffes are and we all just stop um, to look. And of course I look down to make sure my children are all there and I don't see our little one. And I look at Aaron and he looks at me and I say, do you have him? And he looks at me and he says, no, I thought you had him. And I said, no, I thought you had him. It's one of those moments as a parent where your heart just stops beating. And what did we do in that moment? We looked at our 10-year-old and our 8-year-old who shouldn't be left alone. And we both, we looked at them and we immediately said, stay here, don't go anywhere. And then immediately, Aaron and I both run in opposite directions, searching for our almost 3-year-old boy who's missing And in those moments, it feels like an eternity. And you start thinking about, what what if I don't find him? What if he's gone? But it's not okay until you find them. But in that moment, we were totally fine leaving our 10 and our eight-year-old alone because we had a missing child and we had to find him. And this is exactly how God feels every single day. He has lost sons and daughters and he's asked us to help them come home. It is now our responsibility to find the lost ones and bring them home. 
So what are you going to do about it? What part are you going to play? Who are you going to invite to come home to the Father? We all know somebody, probably know multiple people that need to come home. It's our responsibility. And as we close out today, close this message, and we're also going to close this series out, we just wanted to take a moment to remember what the Lord has done for us just to seal this work in our hearts. And so the best way we know to do that is to partake of communion. And so this morning, we have two stations set up, one on each side here where you actually can just go and, and get it yourself. And there's, there's a piece of bread and you can dip it in the cup. And so just as you feel led as we start this next song, you can just come down and, and partake and go back to your seat. But honestly, it was that night that Jesus gathered with his disciples in a similar setting like this around a table and they enjoyed the last supper together. And he sat with his disciples around the table and he said, listen, we're gonna do something special right now. We're gonna partake of this bread and of this wine. And as we do, as we partake of the bread, when you do that, you're gonna remember me. You're gonna remember that this was my body that was broken for you. And he shared the bread with each of them and they all took some, tore a piece off and they partook of it. They didn't understand what exactly it meant. They didn't understand the implication or the powerful visual that was for them. And then he also took a cup. He said, this wine represents my blood, my blood that's gonna be shed for you. Take and drink of this in remembrance of me. And he passed the cup around and they all partook of the wine. And so we're gonna do that today to seal this work in our hearts, to remember the amazing work God has done in our life so that we can share it with other people. So at Grace Church, you are welcome to partake of communion. As long as you have professed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are welcome to partake. And so why don't you stand with me in this place as we prepare to close. I'm just gonna pray for us and pray as we partake of communion. Lord, we just love you and we praise you and we worship you. Give you all the glory for who you are. Thank you, God, for what you have done in our lives. Thank you, God, for impacting us, God. Thank, we thank you that we've been able to have an encounter with you like no other. We thank you that we have found our true identity as sons and daughters. And God, we will never question that identity. And God, so now as we take that, God, I just pray that that would stir us with passion like never before to go out and find those that are not sons and daughters yet that need to come home to you. So God, let that passion stir within us. God, let us know that, that this, is, this is important, God. This is something we have to do today. We have to do this right now. We have to go out and share our story and bring lost sons and daughters home to you. God, your heart aches for them and you long for them to be home with you. 
So God, help us to take the responsibility of that. Help us to go and find them. So God, as as you stir this within our hearts today, we're going to stop and remember you and what you did for us. And so God, we thank you for your body that was beaten and broken for us. And God, we thank you for your blood that was shed for our healing and for our salvation. And we take this communion today in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, amen.